If you could ask God anything, what would you ask? Life is full of big questions. In his brand new book, Will I Be Fat in Heaven? and Other Curious Questions, J. John answers 38 questions that we ask about God, the Bible, the world, and everything in between. How can God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit be one? Why do we believe the Bible is true? Will we recognize family and friends in heaven? And life's ultimate question, does God care about me? Get your copy now at canonjjohn.com. Hi, I'm Jay John. On this week's podcast, my guest on Facing the Canon is Captain Kevin Shaw, former commanding officer in the Royal Navy. Captain Kevin Shaw, welcome to Facing the Canon. Thank you. It's been good, good to be here with you, John. Now, you're a captain. Captain... Captain Royal Navy. Royal Navy. So uh, I've uh, served for about 34 years in the Royal Navy. Um, technically, I retired in 2018, um, but uh, I've been pulled back in as a, as a reservist. So I'm now a, a part-time reservist, um, still a captain of uh, the Royal Navy. How old were you when you went into the Navy? So I, I joined at age 21 uh, from university. Uh, I went to, uh, uh, to, to Cambridge University to read engineering. Uh, and from that, um, I joined the Navy as an engineer. Were you seasick? I was. Um, uh, you actually get used to the movement of ships and uh, you, you find that actually after a while, actually your body really does build up resilience. Uh, and so if you're regularly seagoing, actually you do get over it. Um, but um, that means then that when you spend a long time alongside, actually it, it starts to come back again. So you, it's actually better just to keep going if you are seagoing. Uh, my wife's uncle took me fishing um, at Cape Cod Oh boy, oh boy, it was a bad day. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine, I can imagine. So does it take a while to get over seasickness? So uh, it, it normally takes, I suppose, about um, uh, two weeks to build up the resilience, which is fine when you're seagoing, but uh, I've also done quite a lot of yachting and you don't generally tend to be that long at sea, although, although I have done that long at sea and on a yacht, but uh, um, yes, yeah, so, so in some ways you, you've, I find that you end up being more vulnerable when you are on a yacht. Well, so what made you go into the Navy from university? I, I, I was always going to be an engineer. Um, my, my mother was, uh, was, a, was, uh, was an electrical engineer, uh, and so um, I, uh, I, I actually got a, a hugely good grounding from her, and, and I was quite clear I was going to be an engineer. And I'd worked out that actually the quickest way to become a chartered engineer was to do it through the services. Uh, and I enjoyed my sailing. Uh, so uh, the Navy was actually the, the route that seemed to be the, the best way of achieving that. And you had various positions or posts over those 34 years. Tell us some of those. Um, so um, well, I started off on a fairly standard route, um, sort of doing, doing my, my basic training to become an, uh, an engineer officer. Uh, and I then went on to uh, to be uh, sort of a deputy, an uh, HMS Argonaut, and then subsequently on to be the weapon engineer uh, of HMS Northumberland. Um, but I did start doing things a little unusually because um, I, I actually spent time uh, in the Royal Navy's Engineering College, uh, where I was uh, teaching electronics. But actually, what I was doing was uh, research into a PhD. 
uh, and I was also doing quite a lot of yachting. So I ended up sort of doing, doing um, um, uh, becoming the sailing officer there, um, and uh, whilst also um, then doing this research that ultimately did, led to uh, my, my being awarded a degree through Exeter University, but very much um, courtesy of the Navy, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity they gave me that way. And what did you do your uh, PhD in? Underwater electromagnetic propagation at extra low frequencies, which is a bit of a mouthful, but that's about submarine communications. Um, although, interesting enough, it actually does apply quite a lot to, uh, to uh, some of the work I do in satellite communications now. And you've been posted in how many different countries of the world have you been to? Oh, that's a, quite a few. I've actually uh, visited um, I, I, over 65, um, and uh, I, it's I, I can't actually uh, recall the precise, yes. <laughs> the precise number from my last try to calculate it. Um, but uh, but and, and amongst that, I've also been, for instance, done all 50 states of the USA, uh, and certainly it, it has uh, it's included um, uh, all the continents. So, yeah, you were um, based in Washington? So I've been based in Washington, D.C. And how long were you there for? So I was there for three and a half years. And what was your position? So I was, uh, I was working um, with uh, an organisation called the, the Defence Information Systems Agency, um, American organisation, but I was also on the staff of the embassy. Uh, so my job was to try and help us to be able to communicate um, with each other and to actually improve the way that we do communication exchange information. It was during the period uh, that, uh, that led into uh, sort of the, the, uh, the Afghan campaigns so that was actually quite an an important and influential time to be there. And I, I, when I first met you, you were in Northwood, and what was your position there? So in Northwood, uh, I, I've, uh, I've actually done, uh, done multiple jobs at Northwood, but the way, where you met me, uh, I was the commanding officer of Northwood headquarters. Which, is, uh, uh, which um, has a, a lot of, of individual headquarters uh, all gathered together on the site. Uh, so we run all the overseas operations from there. Uh, the Navy runs its operations from there. Uh, NATO runs its maritime operations from there. Uh, and while I was there, the EU was running its maritime operations from there, uh, at least those that weren't in the, um, in the Mediterranean. And you had a time with NATO. I've had, I've had time with NATO. I was working at Brunsum. Uh, and uh, in, the, in, the, in the Netherlands, where I was the effect, effectively the sort of the, the senior um, military officer uh, for covering off uh, uh, um, Holland, and uh, uh, as well as basically representing the UK's interests in that headquarters. So lots of different places, lots of different countries, lots of different postings. Um, have you always been a Christian? Um, I would say probably yes. I, I grew up in a Christian household. Uh, my, my parents were solid Christians, and so I actually grew up into um, into a Christian um, uh, way of life, uh, and actually going to church from the beginning. Uh, and I suppose I'm one of those people for whom, um, if you like, uh, the, my, my, my walk towards Christ has actually been a gradual one. There was, there was no sudden event that led to a, a, a great revelation with the Holy Spirit at work. For me, it's actually been a bit of a plodding walk. But um, I've also learned that actually plodding walks are sometimes okay. Absolutely. But it, um, so I uh, spent time there, went through, uh, through university where I, where I attended the, the, the chapel there, um, and uh, then, then into the, the Navy, which was a fascinating place to be a Christian. Yes. I was reminded when you just spoke there, Kevin, um, the great missionary Hudson Taylor said, I know how to plod. Mm. And, you know, it's a kind of a sign of perseverance. Yeah. 
I mean, for, for me, um, on, on my route to know Christ, I think um, uh, I, I joined the Navy. I, I actually really learned more about what, uh, what, what commitment might mean as a Christian uh, through, through a number of events, which we might talk about soon. Um, but we then got to the point um, where I actually did have a very specific encounter uh, um, uh, with the Holy Spirit at, um, at, at a New Year's event. Um, and uh, that was when I perhaps I, I absolutely knew where I stood with Christ, but also at that point that I actually knew I was saved and I knew that I had a purpose that God, God now was wanting to apply me what, to. What happened on that well, evening? So um, that, that evening, um, it, it was um, it was it was it had been a result of a, of a talk. Um, somebody who's now become a dear friend, Malcolm McCall, uh, had um, had been uh, had been. Uh, um, uh, addressing us, um, the precise topic I can't remember, but it was actually about. Um, it was effectively from 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 James uh, and being focused on 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 actually not not just words, but what you do. Um, and I was convicted by uh, by actually that there were things that had to be done. Um, and so after the talk, I uh, I just couldn't move, I couldn't leave. Um, and um, firstly, someone else um, sort of spotted me there and came over, and then quickly um, Malcolm himself came over, and we, we we chatted things through, and we had a prayer. And and I think uh, he he explained. Um, uh, what was probably going on, because I was slightly confused, I think it'd be fair to say, um, but it also provided me with a very clear focus to the spirit at work in me. So, during your time in the Navy, um, was it difficult being a, a Christian or were there other Christians in the Navy? Um, I've been fortunate that I've, that I've actually encountered many Christians along the route. Um, so an example might be during my time in train on board a training ship, um, and um, I was um, happily um, sort of doing doing whatever it was I was supposed to be doing, and I was piped to the uh, to, to, to the gangway um, where this um, um, this uh, lieutenant who I'd never met before so suddenly introduced himself to me, and I found myself talking to someone I really wasn't quite sure about um, about where he was at because he was, he was he was a very solid Christian and was actually trying to find out and probe me where I stood. Um, it turned out that. Uh, uh, this this uh, this dear friend, as his come um, Clive Langmead, um, uh, who who was a reservist, uh, but he was he was doing time. He'd 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 actually found out where I was. He'd looked me up and he'd come to dig me out. Uh, and he gave me a copy of his book, uh, which was in this case, his "Worst Things Happen at Sea." Um, and uh, that was one of those things that really turned me around to understand that actually this is what it can look like when you're actually engaged in fellowship and supporting each other um, uh, at sea. Um, I've been fortunate to come across lots of people who have been uh, supportive um, and, and in some ways the Navy is actually really a very good environment um, to be a Christian uh, because um, uh, firstly um, we actually are obliged to hold Christian uh, church services. Yes. Uh, the first article of war, at least up to 2006, um, actually obliged commanding officers to hold uh, uh, an act of Christian worship um, every Sunday or, or, or other day that the and, action permits. And, and that's the first article? The first article of war. Is that making the statement that, that look to God first? Um, 
Effectively, yes, but that, that is that's indirectly. What, yes. I mean, it, it goes right back to the um, uh, to, to the seventeenth century uh, when the uh, when the when the regulations of the Royal Navy were created. Um, but it, it has it has stuck through, uh, and uh, whilst uh, technically um, it was displaced because uh, they were updating the legislation in two thousand and six, uh, but the requirement is still there, if you like, in the spirit of that original legislation to have an uh, to have an act of, uh, of Christian worship. So um, with commanding officers obliged to do this, uh, they usually look to perhaps some junior officers to do, arrange that for them, and that's where uh, I found myself um, regularly uh, having to uh, to step in to, to lead worship. But that was actually a very good ground uh, grounding, and where I could actually grow in my ability to do that sort of thing. So it was a uh, it was a, it was a good training ground. Um, and I ra- fairly rapidly learned that sometimes the notes that we were given to, to do this from the chaplain of the fleet uh, were really not terribly um, well focused on perhaps the needs of the sailors that I had come to know. Um, and so I would find myself basically throwing them away and doing it myself. Um, so I was fairly quickly sort of um, producing commentaries uh, on, on text. And um, so that was perhaps one of the ways that I've grown and got used to um, leading uh, acts of worship um, for, for a long time. During your time in the Navy, uh, three plus decades, um, were you ever put in a position where you felt uh, you were instructed to do something but could compromise your faith? Um, I think the... Um I don't believe I have been put in a position where somebody was asking me to compromise my faith. They were asking me to compromise my character uh, and or not do the right thing. I have been asked to do things yes. that are expedient rather than right. And uh, I suppose so one of the, one of the things that I, that I have learnt um, is, uh, is actually to, to trust God and to go with doing what is right. Yes. Uh, and I do know of, um, of friends, uh, Christians, who have tried to follow exactly that same mantra and have actually had their, had their careers um, effectively kiboshed and uh, they, they found themselves um, uh, effectively without, without an opportunity to progress with their career and therefore have had to leave, which is terribly sad uh, for, uh, in some ways. But again, uh, the God has put them in some fantastic ministries uh, elsewhere. So, so in some ways, uh, even these, these, um, uh, these, these moments have actually still been um, a part of God's good plan. And we can look back and see that um, uh, at work, we see him at work in them. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded, Kevin, of that scripture um, th- where God says, those who honour me, I will honour. Yeah. And that is so true. And that there are some um, who, for whom actually they, they, they will make it all the way, honouring God, uh, and the system will uh, will support them. And uh, for instance, one of my sort of, I would might say, vicarious mentors was uh, was General Sir Richard Dannett, um, who made it to, uh, to, 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 to head of the army, um, but actually was very well known, both as a Christian, but he was also um, uh, the, 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 the soldier's general. He knew how to look after his people. And, and, and you could see um, his, his love of God showing through in love of people, uh, but actually doing it in a way that, um, uh, that, 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 actually, that was still applicable and compatible um, with, uh, with service way of doing things. Um, as you look back um, over the time you were in the Navy, were there times were there occasions when you were fearful? 
Um, in in 2011, um, uh, I had um, uh, what doctors presumed to be um, a, a deep vein thrombosis, DVT, that resulted in um, in blood clots in both lungs. Um, and um, as, as, as my wife, um, who's a doctor, subsequently described to me, actually, that was a very life-threatening situation. <laughs> um, and I can't say I had, I had a specific... Um, uh, um, sort of word, but but it, it was a sense of calmness and, a, and an assurance that, uh, uh, that that God had more to do with me yet. The um, as you look back, you must have learnt a lot of um, skills when it comes to leadership. Mm. What 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 com- what leadership components are important? Um, I th- well, I think the. Uh, the first thing is actually being able to demonstrate um, good character, to actually be somebody who people know that they can trust, somebody who um, who actually is going to try and do the right thing. Um, certainly, I, I've been through a number of positions where where it's been uh, I, I've been challenged um, uh, to. Um, to consider alternative options, but actually sticking by people and letting people see that you're doing the right thing, uh, and um, not necessarily breaking rules, but certainly um, uh, applying them in a in a beneficial and appropriate fashion, um, and. So that way, um, you you gain people's trust and loyalty. There have been uh, certainly a couple of occasions where um, I, I'd say that um, people have um, have shown loyalty to, loyalty to me. Where, where as, a, as an individual, uh, I, I can't say that I, I might ju- I, it might be justified, but actually they can see that I'm fighting for them uh, or I'm trying to do what's right by them, and uh, they 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 will stick with you uh, to do that. Um, so um, that perhaps is, is, is the first thing. Um, the second thing, perhaps I would say, is, is actually um, having having clarity of actually taking interest in in people uh, and understanding what um, what makes them tick and how they do things. Um, one of the things that I, I continuously um, uh, find is uh, is people who just don't understand what it is that's driving how other people are thinking and therefore why there's a conflict. And actually, just simply spending the time to understand why people think they, the way they do, understanding how their life experiences means that they view things differently um, actually makes a big difference. Once you actually understand where people are at, um, it's very it's usually um, uh, much easier to find a route through and actually bring people together. Uh, and looking after people's interests is, is ultimately what it tends to be about. Yes, and, and obviously you were put in leadership positions where you had the responsibility to care for others and that's quite a responsibility. Um, it, it, it can be, and uh, and having to do that across all the different uh, things, we, we have to be aware of all the legal requirements of health and safety. When, uh, uh, when particularly when you're doing things that are fundamentally unsafe, um, uh, which can be the case either on board ship uh, or um, uh, with sort of underground workings and things, uh, but. Um, uh, but actually, it tends to, a lot of it comes back to actually how to help people um, manage their relationships with each other, uh, and where where people have been find themselves either um, either life has put them in, different, in a difficult position, or particularly if if, uh, if something has happened where the system has actually 
caused something to go wrong and they've uh, and, and they are disadvantaged as a result of that to 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 be prepared to uh, to fight to actually to restore the situation or to look after them um, again is something which is a huge value not just to the individual uh, but actually it's, it matters to it matters to me as well that I've actually set things right uh, and that that's been sort of part of actually doing to a certain extent, what Jesus would want me to do, um, applying the what would Jesus do principle uh, to, to these situations. Uh, when I think of the Navy or the Army, um, certain words uh, come to mind. One of those words is discipline. Mm. And um, th- there is a disciplined structure, isn't there? Th- th- there is. There's a very disciplined structure. Uh, um, but there's also a time to know when it's can when it doesn't need to be applied, and um, I think the the, uh, the services of today have actually learned how to um, how to be disciplined when necessary, but also how to be personable uh, um, um, when when that also is actually the, the best thing to do to be able to get things done. Um, but discipline is needed, and there are times when actually uh, orders have to be given and must be obeyed even if you don't agree with them, um, because if you don't, um, things can go wrong and or lives can be lost. Uh, and we still face those situations. Uh, and I've been through my service, um, whilst I've, um, uh, I, I've never been in a position where the bullets are flying over my head, I've certainly um, been into, uh, in, into Afghanistan during, uh, during the times of conflict and so on. And you're really aware uh, that, um, uh, that the, the discipline of a service uh, matters. But I suppose as a Christian also, you learn that actually so the, the disciplines that uh, you see in the service actually in some ways match, the dis- match uh, to a degree some of the, uh, the disciplined approaches that we need as a Christian. Uh, and the ability to be able to, uh, uh, to actually know that there are some, some good ways of doing things, um, some standard responses, if you like. When things are going wrong, stop and pray is a good discipline to have. Yes. Um, uh, and, uh, and actually to, to the, the bit of looking after your ship um, uh, when it's when it's calm, actually making sure that uh, you've actually done your quiet time, that uh, you actually um, know uh, the, 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 the Bible verses that actually might actually be applicable when, you, when you're in a really difficult situation, when actually the, if you like, the moral ethical framework that the Bible can give us actually does provide a way through uh, the situation that you face. And St. Paul in the New Testament encourages us to be disciplined, uh, to be self-controlled. Do you feel sometimes uh, the good lessons uh, in the Navy, in the Army, um, could be embraced far more outside Maybe more of us should be more disciplined. <laughs> of course, we should. Uh, I think the, the, um, uh, the, the a lot of the nature of what people think of as a discipline in, in the in the armed services um, uh, perhaps um, is of um, uh, might be of limited uh, or more limited value. But there's a lot of, of disciplines, particularly relating to understanding um, how to build character, how to do the right thing, and sometimes about simply building endurance, where actually there's an, there's an awful lot of good that I'd, I would love to see transferred into, into wider society, um, at least more generally. So why do, you, why do you think, Kevin, in wider society, we don't always do the right thing? Oh, that's a, that's that's a um, a really difficult uh, question. Um, sometimes we haven't actually been schooled, if you like, in the moral and ethical framework that uh, that for me and I would suggest for you uh, are, are are natural for being Christians. 
Um, again, one of the things that I see in the armed services is that uh, um, uh, those that we get in as fresh recruits sometimes are desperately lacking an understanding of, of what is right and what is wrong because we're in a, uh, a relativistic um, moral age where, where what I think is right, it must be right, almost. Uh, and actually having a proper framework is, um, is no longer um, taught or self-evident. Uh, and certainly one of the things we do um, with, with new recruits um, is we, actually, we do do uh, lessons to actually deal with fundamental morals and ethics. Uh, and I'm delighted, at least for the Navy, they are led by the chaplains. Um, so that uh, the, if you like, the fundamentals of a, a Judeo-Christian um, uh, uh, moral framework uh, are actually schooled into everybody who comes through the services. And the fact that we have to do it uh, tells me that actually that's missing um, in society. Um, and uh, so whilst uh, I, I have lots of debates with people about why we should still be promoting uh, sort of, uh, the, the primary Christian focus within the, uh, the services um, that Christianity enjoys, um, very few people um, refuse the, uh, to, to understand or, or accept the value of that moral ethical framework. And I suppose as I've, I've seen that um, applied elsewhere um, on, on, a wider, on a wider level. Um, during my time um, uh, serving in, in Brunson, uh, I got to know uh, people from across the range of, of, of nations. And one of the things that I, that I particularly saw was how the Dutch particularly were, were, had been scarred by the Srebrenica affair. Yes. Um, and... Um, uh, they, uh, for them, uh, I, I, I wouldn't want to judge the individuals who, who had to make difficult decisions at the time because I don't have the same facts to them. But the, um, but, but the Dutch armed forces are still feeling the soreness that actually they, they, they feel that they, they had lost their moral and ethical framework to make good choices and right decisions. And there it had a, a, a very much a strategic impact um, because at least there is a perception that they may not have got it quite right. Um, and it's that sort of thing that we want to hold on to. And certainly in the armed services, we're really keen to try and ensure people who actually um, have, have the mechanism, be it at general uh, or admiral uh, or at a private level, sailor, airman, uh, um, that they actually understand what is the, uh, the principles on which you make a good decision and a right decision to do what's right. Um, and I'd love to see more of that being able to re-enter the society uh, for those areas where it's missing. Absolutely. Another word that comes to my mind when I think of the armed forces, Kevin, is courage. And uh, is that something you obviously needed? Um, yes, uh, I would I'd say that, that that is a really important part. And particularly as, as a Christian, sometimes you actually need the courage to actually sta stand firm behind your Christian faith. Um, but... Um, uh, courage, uh, again, to do the right thing, regardless of perhaps what people may think of you, um, or um, sometimes there may be there, there may be outcomes that you can see, but actually it's doing the right thing. So the courage to do that uh, is um, is a really important part of this, um, and um, it's it's the sort of thing again that uh, um, that um, servicemen can can often bring when they leave the service back in industry the un the, un the ability to actually be uh, courageous in decision making, uh, which often is missing in society. Well, you've got a lot of experience from a lot of different situations uh, from 34 years in the Navy. How do you see your future? Um, well, um, at the moment, um, uh, God still has me in the mission field of, uh, of the military. Uh, and uh, so that is still my, my, my primary mission field at the moment. Um, but... Um, 
at the same time, uh, I'm sure he will move me on into other things. Um, uh, one of the things that I did on leaving the, uh, the military was to, was to train as a, um, as a lay minister or reader in the Church of England. Um, so uh, I'm looking for where God wants to use me, perhaps a, a bit more uh, in that respect. But, um, but he's actually also told me or given me sort of a bit of a strategic focus. And um, so there, there's some more strategic things that he wants me to deal with. I don't know what they are yet, um, but um, one of the great things with, with this God is that um, it's a fantastic ride that he takes us on. And I don't know where he's going to take me yet, uh, but I'm sure looking forward to it. But I, I like that. It's strategic focus. And it is all about being led by the Good Shepherd. It is, and trying, just trying to, uh, to listen to the Spirit. Um, I, I, I'm not one of those who has uh, the, uh, the, the, the open channel that I hear him all the time. Um, but I'm so keen to be able to, to, to listen and be attentive to what he wants to take me into next. Um, sadly, I don't hear him clearly terribly often. Um, but, um, uh, but actually, also, that doesn't matter because it's where the heart is uh, that uh, you can actually discern where he wants you to go by a number of ways. Uh, and that's how I find out where he wants me to go next. Captain Kevin Shaw, thank you so much for joining us on Facing the Cannon. It's been lovely to be with you. Thank, thank you. you. Well, I hope that has inspired you. I hope you've picked up some uh, wisdom there from Kevin's own life and work in the Navy. Thank you for joining us on Facing the Cannon. Please join us again. You've been listening to the J. John Podcast. To find out more about J. John's ministry, visit www canonjjohn.com and follow him on social media. If you could ask God anything, what would you ask? Life is full of big questions. In his brand new book, Will I Be Fat in Heaven? and Other Curious Questions, J. John answers 38 questions that we ask about God, the Bible, the world and everything in between. How can God the Father, Jesus and the Holy Spirit be one? Why do we believe the Bible is true? Will we recognise family and friends in heaven? And life's ultimate question, does God care about me? Get your copy now at canonjjohn.com.